0: Hey everyone, it's Father Pat, here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to Shebna, master of the palace, I will thrust you from your office and pull you down from your station. On that day, I will summon my servant, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and gird him with your sash and give over to him your authority. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. I will place the key of the house of David on Eliakim's shoulder. When he opens, no one shall shut. When he shuts, no one shall open. I will fix him like a peg in a sure spot to be a place of honor for his family. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple. Lord, your love is eternal. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I will give thanks to your name because of your kindness and your truth. When I called you, you answered me. You build up strength. Within me. Lord, your love is eternal, do not forsake the work of your hands. The Lord is exalted, yet the lowly he sees, and the proud he knows from afar. Your kindness, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. Lord, your love is eternal, do not forsake the work of your hands. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. O the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how inscrutable are his judgments, and how unsearchable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given the Lord anything, that he may be repaid? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you've ever visited the Vatican, you've likely seen the inside of the Sistine Chapel. The experience is breathtaking for a couple of reasons. First, the chapel ceiling painted by Michelangelo is magnificent. You could probably spend hours, if not days, meditating on the various scenes. The great artist's work is, by itself, enough for a lengthy retreat. Second, you are likely in the chapel as part of a tour of the Vatican Museum, so there are approximately a billion people in there with you at the same time. It's a chapel, mind you, not a church, so if you have even the the slightest bit of claustrophobia, you'll feel it there for sure. But there is an anteroom to the left of the chapel that's not part of the tour. It's informally known as the Room of Tears. After a new pope is elected, he is taken into the small anteroom where he exchanges the red vesture of a cardinal for the white vesture of the Bishop of Rome. It is called the Room of Tears because there the newly elected pontiff realizes that he will never again be alone for the rest of his life, and he is now the spiritual father for the whole world. Upon his election in 1878, 68-year-old Pope Leo XIII reportedly was indeed reduced to tears at that prospect, fearing he was too old for the job. In 1958, the portly Pope John XXIII looked at himself in the mirror and joked, this man will be a disaster on television. I'm sure the responsibility is overwhelming. In our first reading, Isaiah speaks about a changing of the guard in the court of Judah's king Hezekiah. The position of steward was a powerful one, symbolized in the way the office holder was dressed, a precious robe, a sash, and a key that rested on his shoulder. The steward acted as the gatekeeper. He controlled who had access to the king thus controlling what the king knew and did. Thus, not only the key, but the welfare of the kingdom is placed in his hands. It seems Shebna has proven himself unworthy. He had misappropriated funds for personal use and supported an ill-advised alliance with Egypt. As a result, he is deposed and replaced with Eliakim. The Lord calls Eliakim his servant, and by saying that he will be a father to the people of the kingdom illustrates just how fully the steward shares in the ministry of the king. Certainly, Eli- Eliakim was overwhelmed by that responsibility. The compilers of the lectionary, however, and today's selection just before the prophet also alludes to the ultimate demise of Eli- Eliakim's service. He says, uh, this is starting from the end of um, today's reading and then continuing to the next few verses that aren't included. He says, I will fix him in uh, I will fix him as a peg in a firm place, a seat of honor, For his ancestral house. On him shall hang all the glory of his ancestral house, descendants and offspring, all the little dishes from bowls to jugs. On that day, says the Lord of hosts, the peg fixed in a firm place shall give way, break off, and fall, and the weight that hung on it shall be done away with. For the Lord has spoken. It seems that perhaps Eliakim's rise to prominence caused his family to hang on him for support, a pressure that he could not. Withstand. In today's gospel, Jesus and his closest disciples are in Caesarea Philippi, a land that had been uh, the territory of the, of the Israelite tribe of Dan and was at one time the northern boundary of the Promised Land. Now mostly inhabited by Gentiles, it had for many centuries been a spiritual site. During the time of Moses, the Canaanites worshipped the Baals at temples built there. In the 4th century BC, the Greeks constructed a shrine to the god Pan, And decades prior to today's episode, Herod the Great built a monument to Caesar Augustus there. When Jesus questions his friends, who do you say that I am? It is Peter who has the wisdom and the courage to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus, who knows the Hebrew scriptures very well, responds with an allusion to the passage from Isaiah that we just read. He appoints Peter as his steward, entrusting him with the keys to his kingdom, as Hezekiah once did with Shebna and then Eliakim. Peter, I presume, was overwhelmed. He surely knows that the authority he has given, however great, comes with great responsibility. Shebna and Eliakim, who presumably were good men, were either corrupted or collapsed under the weight of their responsibility. And Jesus' kingdom, after all, is eternal. Peter's ministry will impact the eternal salvation of those he shepherds. As if to add an exclamation point, Jesus refers to Peter as son of Jonah, perhaps a veiled reference to the biblical figure who tried to run from the Lord's command to preach repentance to the pagan inhabitants of Nineveh. Like Jonah, Peter is a flawed prophet, but also like Jonah, his vocation is to preach not only to the Jews, but to all the nations. As Peter's role increased in the early church, I suspect his memory returned to that conversation with our Lord. He heard the Lord's voice as clearly as he heard it that day Peter, who do you say that I am? Only by keeping the answer to that question always in mind. Could Peter faithfully guide the church placed in his care? In the years after the resurrection, the other apostles and the growing flock looked to Peter for questions of doctrine and practice, truth and morality. The authority he held was not truly his. Peter must act as Jesus' steward, a humble servant of the Lord. And so Peter carefully considered who Jesus is, prayerfully collaborating with the other disciples as the rock on which the church's other living stones relied. Peter was no dictator. One day, he would see the Lord again face-to-face, knowing that his ministry was the key that would open the doors to heaven for many. On the morning of my ordination as a priest, I woke up in the rectory of my home parish. Understandably, I was really nervous. I was about to promise to offer my life as a sacrifice for the salvation of souls. I spoke briefly with my pastor of many years, and he gave me absolution. I became very emotional. I was in my own room of tears, I guess conscious that the Lord was in a very real way entrusting the key to the kingdom to me as His servant and as a living stone. You, too, are a living stone. Although imperfect, you were chosen on the day of your baptism as a steward of the mysteries of our redemption. Those whom you encounter, whether consciously or not, look to you for the answer to the question, Who do you say Jesus is? Your answer may be, for that person, the key to the kingdom of heaven. May the weight of that responsibility bring tears to your eyes that one day will become tears of joy. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a great Sunday, and say a prayer for me.